This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 440 with Abby Peretz. Show notes. This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. For this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, as well as any discount codes from our sponsors, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 440. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community, so be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Abby Parrots wants moms to know they don't have to choose between kids and career. Abby is the mom of five kids, ages 10 to 20. She's also a coach and a mentor to moms who turn to her when they want to break into freelance writing and earn great money from home on their own terms. Abby combines nearly 20 years of experience freelancing for some of the world's biggest companies with her firsthand knowledge of having five kids on her own, including one with special needs. She understands the unique challenges moms face every day and has created programs specifically tailored to meet those challenges and empower moms all over the world to have it all. I was so excited to have this conversation with Abby because Abby is our first guest who lives in Israel. And so it was so fun to have someone who just lives in a totally different part of the world and to hear her story. And so Abby and I had a great conversation about her journey from Pennsylvania to Israel. It turns out she left Pennsylvania to go to Israel to join the Israeli army at age 18, 
completely on like by her own choice, not because her family pushed her to do it, but just completely on her own, which might win for like the most independent thing I've ever heard of an 18 year old doing. (laughs) And so I was so excited to hear her story around that. And from there, we started talking more about what prompted her to start freelance writing, how it saved her when her son had cancer, how moms can get started in freelance writing, which this was just all so fascinating to me because Abby started all of this just like by trial and error because she wanted an outlet and it turned into something so much more. And I learned a ton about like really what's required and how much skill and expertise you have to have, which is not a whole lot (laughs) in order to get started. So she shares what kinds of experience and expertise you need to have and what you don't need to have to get started as a freelance writer. And then she talks about the importance of niching down and specializing in specific content areas, which can really help you get noticed and recognized as more of an expert in certain fields in order to leverage your services in new and more financially viable ways. She shares how to believe in yourself and your ability when you're doing something new, which is so important, especially if you're doing something new that you've never done before or that maybe a lot of people around you haven't done before. And she also talks about why she has no qualms about running her business and selling her services during a pandemic, which this was a super fun part of the conversation and really valuable as well. So Abby was just a really fun guest with such a really interesting story. So I can't wait to share Abby with you. I can't wait for you to get some nuggets here. If you've been looking for ways to you know, bring in income in new creative ways, especially during these times. If you've been looking for ways to leverage writing, there's so much to be learned for this episode. Or if you're just looking for a good story about how one mom built a business and (laughs) did it from Israel, having been born and raised in Pennsylvania, this is the story for you. So here we go. I'm so excited to welcome Abby to the Shameless Mom Academy. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so happy to have you here today. And you might get an award from being one of our furthest away guests ever. (laughs) Because we're communicating between Seattle and Israel right now. Yes, it is pretty far. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. This is going to be a ton of fun. And I can tell just from our pre-interview that we are going to have no problem making conversation and keeping things lighthearted. <laughs> and we've already had our like COVID catch-up talk. I feel like with every guest, I have to be like, where are you? What's it like there? So we are all, for context, I'll tell guests we're recording on April 16th. So in Seattle, we are like five weeks into being out of school. And it sounds like you are about a month in as well over there. As well. Is that right? Yeah, that's about right. Oh my gosh. And so one of the first questions I had for you, because I think people are going to want to know is, have you always lived in Israel? And if not, what brought you to Israel? What the heck are you doing? Yeah, no, I I get that a lot. So yes, I grew up in the United States. I grew up in Pennsylvania on the East Coast. And I'm a nice Jewish girl with nice Jewish parents who brought us to Israel on vacations as I was growing up. And when I was in college, at the end of my sophomore year of college, I dropped out, as you do, and told my parents that I was moving to Israel to join the Israeli army. And I had just turned 18. And my father said to me, you can't do that. And I said, I'm 18. I can do anything I want. And my father said, uh, clearly not knowing me at all, let me rephrase. I'm not going to pay for it. And I said, with the wisdom that only an 18 year old has, I don't need your money. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Famous last words. So I moved to Israel with two suitcases and like 50 bucks. And 
So it's okay. My parents are wonderful and amazing people and they did forgive me eventually. And my dad is awesome and I love him and my mom. I moved to Israel when I was 18. I learned Hebrew. I lived on a kibbutz. I joined the Israeli army. I met my husband and we got married and we had our first baby. And then he was convinced that America is where the streets are paved with gold. And as many times as I told him, that's not actually true. He was like, nope, it is. I'm pretty sure. So we came back to the States about six years after I had first moved to Israel. We moved to California, Southern California. We lived in Los Angeles a couple of years, and then we lived in Houston for a couple of years. We had a whole bunch more kids. And then one day, about eight and a half years ago, my husband was like, let's go back to Israel. And at the time, I mean, his primary argument was one of our kids has some significant special needs. Another one has some kind of minor special needs. And Israel is a country that was founded on socialist ideals. So it's different from the U.S. in that regard. It's different in that it's set up to take care of the weaker parts of society. So that became like his big selling point. And, and we came back about eight and a half years ago. It wound up being a good move for us for mostly because of those reasons, because is set up to take care of the parts of society that need it most. My middle child, Adi, who does have, he's developmentally disabled. He has all these special needs. So he also had cancer. Oh my gosh. And that happened. Yeah. So it's like a really hard story to tell because people are like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So he got better. Everything's okay. But it was really sucked for a while there. Um, But that happened two years after we came to Israel. And so in Israel, all of his treatment, so his extensive hospital stays, his medication, his five emergency surgeries, we didn't pay any money for any of that. All of that was covered. And in America, uh, people lose their houses over medical debt. Like it's not a, <laughs> it's not for nothing. So, so yeah, so it worked out well and we live in Israel now. So yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One follow-up question. So why as an 18 year old, did you want to move to Israel to join the army? That seems like such a bold desire for an 18 year old girl. Okay, so I started college when I was 16. And I know once I had like all this potential and then just kind of fizzled out. So I was always my own person. I always, you know, kind of did my own thing. And I had grown up in this very Zionistic house. And like I said, we had been to Israel on vacations and I had been brought up, you know, in Jewish youth groups where like this kind of was, this was not as crazy as my parents tried to make it out to be. Like I remember saying to my dad, what did you think was going to happen? Like you brought this on. So, you know, I went to Brandeis when I went to college, I went to Brandeis, which is like an extremely Jewish university. And it just everything that I did had set me on the path to do that. Yeah. And I really liked the idea of being a soldier in the Israeli army. It really appealed to me. I have to say, so my mom was my mom grew up in a very Catholic family. She became a nun when she was 17 years old. And this reminds me so much of the story you just shared, because for her, I mean, when I tell people my mom was a nun, they're like, what? Like, that's crazy. (laughs) But in the family that she grew up in and the neighboring families that she grew up with, that was super common. And they like she took all of her siblings to church every single morning. Her dad went to church every single day for his entire life. Like this was not abnormal 
for her family at that time. But for someone right now who knows me, who doesn't go to church, like all these, they're like, what? Your mom was a nun? What? Like, so it's so interesting. <laughs> Contextually, your family, you're absolutely right. Family set us up for things that to anyone on the outside were like, how did you end up there? But when you're raised in a certain environment, you're like, this is just the next obvious step. Like, what? why would I not do this? Exactly. <laughs> so fascinating. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing all that. I love it. Yeah. It's funny when we scheduled this interview originally and we ended up having to reschedule, I didn't even realize. So your assistant messaged me and said, oh, we're going to have to reschedule. Abby has a power outage. And I was like, okay. And then, but I was like, well, I'm sure her power will be back on in like 20 minutes or something like, you know, and then, <laughs> then she messaged a little bit later and she's like, it's probably going to be an all day outage. We're not really sure. And I was like, this is so odd. And then she said something and then she's like, cause you know, in Israel. And I was like, wait, she's in Israel. I had no idea. <laughs> so, so I've had these questions for a month now. I've been waiting to ask. <laughs> That's really funny. By the way, honestly, it felt like the end of the world because it was right when people were, you know, like this COVID thing was taken off. Like people were starting to finally take it seriously and talk about it. They had just put in new restrictions in Israel. Like the kids were home from school. My husband who travels internationally for work was at home. So we were already in this weird place. And then the power went out and there was this crazy windstorm. And I was like, this is it. This is how my family dies. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh. So you're like, I'm not going to be able to make a podcast interview. It was so crazy. Oh my gosh, I will never forget that night. <laughs> so wild. This is already so fascinating. So I'm going to back us up a little bit. The way I always start every interview, but typically closer to the beginning of it, is I always ask to you to share a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio, which you've already shared some of that. And then tell us what you're most excited about right now. So can you go from there and take it and run? Okay. So yeah, Abby, five kids, ages 10 and a half through 20 and a half. My middle son, Adi... Like I said, he's developmentally disabled. He's on the autism spectrum. He has a rare syndrome called Soto syndrome, which is an overgrowth syndrome. So he's physically larger than like my husband is five, six, I'm five, eight, and a D is six, two. So, you know, yeah. So interesting. <laughs> and, you know, he's awesome and amazing. And there's a lot that he can do and a lot that he can't do. My youngest son, Amit, is missing an ear. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> and in our house, we're like, well, that's not really special needs. So you have a whole other ear and we'll be fine. And so he has a prosthetic ear now and a bone anchored hearing aid. We are a fascinating bunch. Anyway, so Adi, like I always had this life where, you know, my freelance work had to fit around my kids. And then in 2013, when the kids were starting to be in full day programs and I was thinking about growing in my business and my business at the time was I was a freelance writer. I did not think of myself as a business owner. I was a freelance writer. And right at the time that I was going to go bigger in my business, that was when Adi had cancer and I stopped working completely. And when I started up again, a couple of years later, once he was better, and I mean, I was not in a healthy place emotionally, mentally, I was like kind of a mess. And what I, what really kind of got me out of the darkest place was helping other women who were moms of kids with cancer, um, who needed some way to keep food on the table because they couldn't be in a traditional job at that point. So I started teaching them a little bit very informally about how they could make some money with freelance writing. And that kind of gave me a reason to get out of bed in the morning when I just wanted to stay in bed and cry. And from that successful freelance mom was born. So I love it. And so how long have you been doing? How long have you been doing freelance writing? I've been freelancing uh, for, gosh, since Lior was born. So, you know, over 20 years, since 99. 
Okay. This is not your first rodeo. <laughs> no, I'm a highly experienced freelance writer, but successful freelance mom has only existed since like 2017. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about this journey into freelance writing and then how you've leveraged this in motherhood. I think this is so interesting. I love hearing stories around how we choose professions that allow us to evolve professionally as we evolve in motherhood. And it sounds like that's been part of the journey for you, these parallel journeys of evolving in two spaces at once. Definitely. So when I, in college in America, I was majoring in theater arts and then I dropped out and I moved to Israel. And then when I, after I finished the army, I went back to school in Israel for English lit because those classes were in English. And I got a job working for a small boutique marketing agency in Tel Aviv that was doing only work in English for Israeli companies that needed like this English language stuff, right? And then when I got pregnant with Lior, I was starting to think about what that would look like. And in my head, I knew so much before I had my first baby. In my head, I was like, <laughs> didn't we all? <laughs> I'll just bring her into the office and she'll sit quietly beside me and I'll work reduced hours. It will be great. I had this whole plan in my head and then I had the baby and I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. So I called. I had a very similar plan, by the way, which also did not work out. Not so much. I was like, no, it is way too fascinating to sit here and watch her eyelashes unfurl one at a time. I would much rather do that. So Israel has great maternity leave policies. There's 12 weeks. Well, at the time it was 12 weeks of paid leave. I think now it's like even 16 weeks of paid leave. Anyway, so I took my 12 weeks of paid leave and then I said, I'm not coming back and I'm going to be a freelance writer. And I had no idea what that meant, Sarah. I like, I had no clue what that meant, but I was like, I'll figure it out. I will just like, I know how to write. I am reasonably intelligent. I can figure this out. Now, remember, we're talking 1999. So you couldn't just go online and take a course. Like online, your search engine was Alta Vista, right? So, like, <laughs> there was no Google. It was very different. But I could read. Like I could read books and I could read magazines and I could figure things out. So I started pitching these, you know, very like infant like these tiny little websites about parenting and pregnancy and people's email addresses were right there at the time. And you only got like seven emails a day. So like I could pitch these editors with article ideas and they would hire me for like 25 bucks a piece, you know, and I'd write them, but I got some pieces published and then I started pitching regional parenting magazines in the U S and then we moved back to the United States and I took out the yellow pages. Now for you, the younger listeners, the yellow pages, is this book, right? And it had all the phone numbers. So I would literally just open that up and go to the page for like marketing agencies or graphic designers. And I would just go down the list and call every single one. Hi, do you outsource any of your work to freelance writers? Great. If you make a thousand of those calls in 30 days, you will be exhausted and frustrated, but you will get something out of it. And that is how I built a freelance writing business. <laughs> I love this though, because this is what people don't talk about is that this is how you get scrappy and you, this is where everyone starts. Like you start by hustling and figuring things out and getting like one $25 gig at a time and piecing that together. And I think people have these dreams and I'm thinking specifically of like the blogging world and like, I'm just going to start a blog and get advertisers and make all this money. No, like you start with a blog that nobody reads and you get an one ad on there that you make 25 cents on if someone buys something. And that's where you start. <laughs> 
Exactly. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this is, show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. No, it's, I mean, I tell people all the time, there's no big secret. I mean, literally just go out there and pitch a lot to get started. Like that's what you have to do. So people want there to be a magic, you know, pill, a secret, something we're clearly not telling them. And if we would just be nicer and tell them they could do it too. The secret is show up every day and put in the work. Yeah. And be prepared and objective about rejection, I think. No, like one of the reasons I tell people when they're getting started, like 
don't come to me and say it's not working until you've literally pitched a thousand companies inside of 30 days, because at that point you will be so rejection will not phase you Yeah, because so many people will reject you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think rejection, we can take it so personally and we take it as, or we look for it to be a sign of like, oh, this is, a, we shouldn't be doing this. Like this is the universe telling me to quit. No, it's not. <laughs> this is the universe making you stronger. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, it's just completely unrealistic to expect that, oh, I'll, I'll land the first client I pitch or, you know, I'll get a job the first week that I go out and try to do it. It's so unrealistic. And it's sad to me that so many people have built up these, you know, these unrealistic I don't know, dreams that they're trying to package up and sell to people. I could do a soapbox, but I'll refrain. So. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you don't have to have professional writing experience to become a freelance writer. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I do think there's so much value in being able to, for moms who want to work from home, who want to have time flexibility and time freedom, to be able to start with, in some ways, non-traditional professions. And I think this is one of them that offers a lot of flexibility. But this is, I think, again, where we get in our own way and we're like, oh, but I was not, and I didn't get my master's in English. And so therefore I'm not qualified. <laughs> Right. So I don't know if I, I can't remember if I said that I dropped out of college twice over, not just once in America, but then afterwards also in Israel, I dropped out of that program too. So I have no college degree and people pay me $8,000 to write email sequences and sales pages. So yeah, you do not need a college degree in anything. I don't have one. You don't need to have years of experience. Everyone starts with no experience. One of the things I tell my students constantly is think about the fact that at some point, every single brain surgeon in the world has to pick up a scalpel and slice into somebody's brain for the very first time. Yes. Freelance writing is not quite as hard as brain surgery. I don't want to belittle it, right? Like I think that what I do is important and it matters and it has value and worth, but it is not quite as hard as I assume brain surgery is. So everyone starts somewhere. No one starts with experience. I think one of the things we're seeing right now in the middle of this COVID thing is nobody in the whole world has experience in navigating a global pandemic. We are all getting this experience at the same time. So nobody can say that they have more or less experience than you do with this situation. So this is a perfect example of we all start from the same place and it's really about you. It's about you deciding, I want this. Now, if you are a person who hates writing, then a freelance writer is a terrible, terrible position for you to pursue. Right. But if you are a person who loves words and who loves language and enjoys, you know, the finds writing fun, then you have the skills that you need to be a successful freelance writer. How can moms get started in freelance? And I actually really appreciate you bringing up the point we're in this really unique time right now where no one has any experience. And I think there's so many things about this experience that are equalizing in ways that we haven't seen before. And I also think there's a lot of moms right now feeling a shift in terms of where they want to go from here. I don't think, I think there's a lot of us who are like, actually, I don't need to go back to whatever the thing I was doing before, or at least in the capacity that I was doing it or the same context that I was doing it before. And so how can moms get started in freelance writing and how can they start if they already are working full time, how do you start this as a side gig and build it from there? Sure. Generally speaking, if you want to be a freelance anything, you have to figure out 
what you want to do and who you want to serve. So it's great to say, well, I want to, you know, write anything for anyone who will pay me, but that's going to be hard. Like it's going to be hard to figure out where to go then to get in front of people. So I think if you have some idea, like I want to write about mental health for, you know, family therapists who are giving this information to the families who they serve, things like, like something start somewhere because that gives you a sense of, all right, So now who do I need to get in front of? Who are the people who would potentially hire me? I think that it really becomes about having conversations with people who could potentially need your help. I think that's how you land your first client. And should you, is it necessary to focus on something that you have expertise around? No, not at all. In fact, sometimes it's actually... Because I think that could potentially be another misnomer. Sure. Right. So I think that Oftentimes we think that as you know, you're the writer and you have to be the expert and that's not true. You're the writer. There's somebody else who's going to be the subject matter expert. Much of the time you can write about a topic or write in a field where you have a lot of experience, but you are not, there's also, there's so many different kinds of writing. So like if you're writing an article about Well, if you're writing a blog post about, you know, whatever mental health issues, then yeah, you're going to wind up doing some research on those mental health issues and writing about them. You can tell what's top of mind for me right now, right? So, (laughs) but if you're writing a brochure for a company, you don't have to know anything about the company because you're going to sit down with somebody from that company and they're going to tell you the three most important things they want people to know after reading this brochure. Um, So a lot of times it's almost better if you don't have a lot of experience because then you can ask all the questions that you need to. For many, many years, I worked with corporate clients and I wrote about things that I had no understanding of whatsoever. So, I mean, I would literally sit down with the person and I would say, okay, so tell me, you know, how this works. And they'd start talking and I'd say, hold up. You started at step 47. Let's go back to step one where you walked in and turned on the light and sat down in your chair. Then what? And they would begin to understand they needed to go back. You know, if this piece is going to be accessible to the masses, then it needs to be accessible to someone who has no experience and background. So that makes it beneficial for you to not have that level of expertise because you can be that outsider that's like, hold on, wait a minute. Like we can't just start in the deep end. Right. And again, like I said, there's so many different kinds of writing. So it's really, I mean, I always encourage my students, look at everything that has writing on it around you. So every piece of junk mail that comes into your house, every brochure at your doctor's office, the paper about the flu shot that your kid is getting, whatever is has writing on it, somebody got paid to write it. And often that person was a freelance writer mm-hmm. and not somebody who's smarter than you or who's better than you, just somebody who went to that you know, that company and said, Hey, do you ever work with freelance writers? Yeah. What's the difference between a freelance writer and a copywriter? Hmm. Okay. So freelance writers do all different kinds of writing. And one kind of writing that they do is copywriting. So copywriting is any kind of writing that is designed to get people to take a specific action. Usually that action is to buy something, but it might be to click here and sign up for this email list or download this podcast episode or whatever it is. Copywriting is one type of writing that freelance writers can do. That makes sense. I wanted to clarify that. Sure. Okay. So for moms who want to get started, they're already working, but they're thinking that they maybe want to do make a little bit of a shift and bring this on as a side gig. What are some steps that they can take? Okay. Well, number one, I have a free course that I'll give you the link to afterwards. Awesome. That will help. (laughs) And it's called how to be a freelance writer. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. Great name. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
I'm all about, I have things called the email sequence workshop. I have a course called writing for money. I'm very straightforward. <laughs> yes. That makes it really helpful for your customers and for Google. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And honestly, that's not even what I was thinking about. I really hate naming things and I don't want to be clever. I want people to understand exactly what it is right away. So. I love it. Super smart. Thank you. <laughs> So what I tell people is when you want to get started, the very, very first thing you have to do is find seven to 10 hours in your week. You can start with just seven to 10 hours. So seven to 10 hours, if you think about that, that comes out to just an hour a day. Okay. If you're doing an hour every day, you're going to hit seven hours. If you can put in like two hours on the weekend, you're going to be fine. You know, like that's all you have to carve out. And if you tell me I 100% cannot carve out seven to 10 hours in my week, okay, then what were you planning to do if a client hired you? Like, do you want them to just give you money to sit there and look pretty? Because if you can figure that out, please tell me how to do that, right? Right. So you have to find that seven to 10 hours. Now you can get super, super creative. And I have a lot of ways that I talk about to carve out that time. That's where it starts. If you can find seven to 10 hours, then you can start. And in the beginning, when you don't have clients yet, 100% of that time should be spent on making connections with people on getting, you know, hanging out in the right, whether it's Facebook groups or LinkedIn or Instagram, wherever your people are going to be hanging out or at in-person networking events, right? I'm not picky, but like hang out where your people are and concentrate on having conversations with people. And when I say conversations, I do not mean walk up to people and say, Hey, I'm a freelance writer. Do you want to hire me? I mean, walk up to people and say, hi, how are you? And then listen when they answer and then ask a reasonable follow-up question and have a conversation like a human being. Right. I like it. Can you talk about the different kinds of freelance opportunities that are out there? So we talked about copywriting being one thing. What are some of the other? I mean, gosh, there's so much. So what I do for clients, I write email sequences and sales pages for online course creators, for example. I have students who write all kinds of web copy. So that could be anything from the website itself to blog posts, to any guest posts that their clients are doing, specifically for coaches who work with women, for example. I have students who write, I have one, a good friend who writes SEO optimized copy for law firms. Okay. So she helps local law firms come up, right? Like that makes me want to gouge my eyes out. <laughs> However, she loves it and it pays really well because it's very specialized. Yeah. So, you know, she's helping local law firms come up in searches, right? Yeah. So when you are more specialized like that, then I'm assuming you can charge more money so much more. It took me so long to figure that out, Sarah. It's like, I went from charging, you know, it's really embarrassing, but I went from charging, you know, a thousand dollars to $8,000 for the same thing. Once I figured out that when I only did that, I got really good at it and people started giving my name out and my calendar got booked up and I had to turn people away. And I was like, I need to raise my prices. And like, it makes such a difference. One, because again, you're doing the same thing again and again. So you get really, really good at it and you get known for it. And people say, oh, you want that? You need to talk to her. It's like amazing how that happens. So if I can teach you one thing, it's please do not wait as long as I did to specialize. <laughs> yeah. I think that's so important. I'm trying to remember. I cannot remember the context that I was just listening to a, an interview, but 
they were talking about the importance of specialization and niching, which I think if anyone who has a business, we've heard about, you know, niching down and getting more specific and serving people in more specific ways. But they gave some really great examples of people who, you know, different kinds of professions and how the more specific they are, the more high level expertise you have to have, which then makes you allows you to make more money in most professions. And I think that sometimes when we're building our own thing, we don't think about it that way. We don't see our own value in that way. And also be when we become experts in an area, it becomes so second nature to us that we don't see it as expert status. We're just like, this is just who I am and what I know. But you have to step back and be like, wait, a minute. and I've had to work through this with coaches and with me being coached over the years. At one point when I said I wanted to like start doing more, becoming a speaker and being on stages. And I felt like I needed to get like all these certifications and like qualifications first. And someone was like, but you, at the time I owned a gym and she's like, but you get up in front of like 60 people at a time and yell at them for an hour. Like, why would you need to go get like a speaking certification? Right. And I was like, you're so right. And she's like, and you've been doing this for like 12 years. So you're actually already an expert at this. (laughs) I've been showing my own students now, like we're looking at everybody try to figure out how to use Zoom. And this is something that if you have an online business, you know how to use Zoom in your sleep, right? Yes. And people in your family are like, have you heard of this new invention called Zoom? Do you know what this is? Can you download that on your phone? I'm like, oh my gosh. So I keep telling my students, like, look, look at all the things you already know how to do. And you don't even think they have value and they have massive, massive value right now. Yes. You could charge anybody like 10 bucks to teach them how to set up Zoom on their computer and they would pay you because they don't know. So right. Like there's so many things that we, I tell, the other thing I tell my students is just because writing is easy for you doesn't mean that it is easy for other people and doesn't mean that it doesn't have value. It is okay to charge money for things that are easy for you to do Yeah, because it's hard for other people. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's another thing is that we think that it has to be really hard if we're going to charge a lot of money for it. And if we're working on either an area of expertise or experience that we are, you know, really well versed in, or we're working in our truest gift set. So writing would be one of those things when we're working in our truest gift set, then oftentimes it comes pretty naturally to us. And so it seems weird to be like, oh, I'm going to charge a whole bunch of money because this is the easiest. And I'll go back to the idea of being on stage. To me, like getting on stage is not a hard thing to do. Right. For most of the world, that's terrifying. And so for me to be like, you don't even have to pay me because this is easy for me. No, like very few people want to do that. So actually I should get paid a lot of money. for it. So we don't recognize our own gifts often. If we're really working on our gifts, they don't, it doesn't feel like work in many cases. Right. I'm a huge fan of building a business around the things that you love. Like, why would you ever build a business around things that you don't like and that cause you stress and pain? That's just, I mean, you can have a job that will do that. <laughs> like, don't build a business like that. <laughs> if you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. 
And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And that was one of the first things you said. Like, if you don't like writing, then don't become a freelance writer. Like this. Yeah. Don't do this. <laughs> yeah. Totally makes sense. Okay. So you write emails and sales pages and blog posts and all of this. And so how do you do this and do it in a way where you can connect with people and be really effective and not come across as salesy and sleazy and gross and slimy? And I think that we've all had that experience of reading someone's content and being like, that's just yucky. (laughs) Exactly. So that's a really good place to start. When I teach this, I talk about, I have two primary roles in the client side of my business. And that is don't lie. And which sounds pretty basic, but don't lie and don't send an email that you wouldn't want to receive. And a corollary to that is don't send an email that you would be embarrassed if people in your real life knew that you're the person who wrote it. And that doesn't mean, I want to be really clear, that doesn't mean that you can't write about sex or that you can't swear. Like if those are things that you do in your everyday, if you're a sex therapist, you should definitely be talking about sex in your email, right? Like that's a given. And if you are a person who like, it is natural for you to swear, then go ahead and do that. For me, I've always got kids around and I'm very cognizant that much of my audience listens with children present. So that's not language that I'm comfortable with. So it's not something that shows up in my writing, for example, but you need to be okay with what you're sending out. So that line is going to be different for everybody. But if you stick to that principle of don't send things out that would embarrass you if people in your real life knew about them, that's going to help already. The next part of it is send email that you would want to read, that you would be okay with, not just okay with, that you would be happy to get in your inbox. If you are telling the truth about, like I'm all about, I love my course. Like if I could marry my course, I would. I think it's awesome. I think that writing for money is the greatest course on how to be a freelance writer. And if you want to be a freelance writer, this is the course you need. So I'm not at all embarrassed to talk about it and to say, I think it's awesome. And here are 17 reasons why it will help you and all of those things. There are a lot of, I mean, like copy writing 101 is to think about what's in it for the reader and to really think about things from your reader's point of view and really explain the benefits to them. So that's a piece of it. But it's also, you know, speaking from a place of the way I would talk to a friend. So if I sat down with a friend who said, Hey, Abby, I want to get started in freelance writing. What are some things that I need to know? And the same things that I would tell that friend of mine, okay, well, you need to do this and you need to do that. And you don't need to waste time on building a website and you don't need to do this. And the other thing, those are the things that I put into an email. So I really try to make it something that I would be able to say out loud. So like it's natural and conversational and that it's the truth and that I stand behind it and that I would proudly show it to my mother and I would be 100% okay if it were published with my name on the front page of every newspaper in the world. I would actually be so okay with that. I love it. You know, if you stick to that, whereas one, if you're lying about your stuff, 
not cool. And if you're sending things that just that that do that feel gross, if it feels even a little bit bad to you, if you have to ask somebody, do you think this is okay? That means you know it's not okay and you're looking for somebody to give you permission to do it anyway. Right. I love your point around like what you would, you know, be proud to show to other people and to share with your mother or have on the front page of the newspaper. And I think that a big piece of that also is something that you know adds value to someone and, you know, especially to the person that you're creating it for. And that's something that I think that you can pull yourself away from that. Like, oh, I don't want to be salesy. Well, if you are creating value and then extending an invitation, that's going to solve a problem for someone that's not being salesy. And I think that women get really tripped up on that extending the invitation part. (laughs) Right. I think of it this way. If you have something that you know could help somebody and you don't tell them about it, you're doing them a disservice. Like that's not okay. You're holding something back from them that they need right now. And I won't do that. Like I wouldn't treat my friends that way. If I, you know, if you really need a cup of coffee and I have a cup of coffee, I'm going to give you the cup of coffee. Right. So the same thing, if you really want to be a freelance writer and I know I have this course, I got to tell you about the course. You need to know about it so that you can make a smart decision. Like it's really important. Yeah. I love it. And I love that you're owning your skill set and sharing it with people in a confident way. Because I think the other thing that we, that women tend to do is be like weird and awkward and like little girlish about it and be like, well, I have this thing, but I don't know. And like, we get this weird tone of voice and we make ourselves small, like physically, we like shrink down and hunch our shoulders when we're talking. And then we make this change our voice to pretend like we're seven. And when it's like, the truth is you just said like, well, I have this course and here's how it can help you. And like, let me know if you're interested because it's already helped these people. And this is what it does and blah, blah, blah. Like that's, of course I'm going to want all those things. But if you come at me and you're like, well, I have this thing, but I don't know, maybe it's not for you. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's going to want that. And then you're doing that disservice of like, your course is actually really good and could help some people. And so I think you have to really own your gifts, own your strengths and own your stake in the game because you want to be of service. Yes. And that really is the heart of it. If you really truly want to help people, then you have an obligation to, to help them, to get your stuff out there and to help them. Yeah. So how do you learn to believe in yourself and your ability if this is something new to you. I think this is the thing that can be, and I think this is where we get into that uncomfortable place. And I see this all the time with women who, moms who start blogs that they want to do this, but because it's new and unfamiliar and they feel like not an expert, it feels experimental. That's where they get into that place of like, well, I have this thing, but I don't really want to tell anyone about it. Like I've worked with moms who have blogged for months and like never told anyone. And so how do you go to this, get to a place of believing in your yourself and your ability and starting to share it. Well, I think that we need to take some lessons from the way we treat our children. When your baby starts learning how to crawl and walk, they fall down a lot. And you would never, ever say to them, you know what? You're clearly never going to be able to walk. You should just not even bother trying. Just give up now. Right. And then more than that, when our kids come home from school and they're like, this math is too hard. No, this math is not too hard. You just didn't listen at all in class and you have made no effort to try to do it. So actually, we're going to sit down and learn the lesson from the beginning to the end. You know, you're going to see that when you actually study for the math test. Oh my God, look at that. You got an 87. So I think the same way we've learned from, from the amazing work of Carol Dweck in her book, Mindset, um, to praise for effort and not for abilities. I reference her book all the time. (laughs) I love Carol Dweck. So, you know, I think that we need to praise ourselves for effort and not for ability. Nobody is good at anything the first time I have one of my kids, 
started recently with piano lessons. So he had like, you know, he had a keyboard in his room and he was doing some messing around and some YouTube videos. And then we got him, he was like, I've gone as far as I can do with this. So we bought a piano and we got him a piano teacher and he's taking lessons and he sits down and he works. He doesn't play the piece perfectly the first time. So today he had a lesson via, you know, Zoom because Corona. So I really got to see the process. Like his teacher says to him, okay, play the right hand. Okay, now play the left hand. Okay, now I'm going to play it for you and you listen. Okay, now look, here are the 17 mistakes you made. And like, let me explain why you made them and how you're going to do it differently and how you're going to hold your hand the next time. And, you know, and they work through it. And he has to sit down and work. My father's a surgeon you certainly don't start out by like, you know, operating on somebody like from day one and knowing how to do it. Like you have to learn first you study and then you watch and then you do and people correct your technique and they stop you in the middle. Nobody's good at anything the first time they get up to do it. And if you expect yourself to be perfect at something the first time you do it, that's, I mean, it's dumb. Like <laughs> you wouldn't expect it of your kids. Don't expect it from yourself. You're going to live a real hard life if that's your expectation of yourself. Right. You know, if we treated ourselves with a tiny bit of the encouragement we give our children, then we would be much gentler with ourselves. We would enjoy life much more. So I think it really comes from a place of understanding that you're not going to know how to do something the first time you try to do. It. And, you know, when people are afraid to start a freelance career or to like do something, you know, in a business for the first time. The first day you walked into your nine to five job, you didn't know how to do everything. They had to show you how to do everything. And you probably made mistakes and nobody said to you, my gosh, you're an idiot. You should never come back. They said, oh, actually, that's not how you do it. Let me show you again. Right. Yeah. You know, giving ourselves that grace makes so much sense. And we do. Well, that's a nice way to say it. Well, but you're totally right. We do this for our kids. We do this for our partners. We do this for our best friend. Like if your best friend was like, I think I'm going to write a book, you would immediately be like, oh my gosh, you totally should. And when they freaked out about it and said like, but I've never written a book before, what, you know, and you would say no, but you have such great story. Like you would immediately validate them and push them. But when we go to do those things ourselves, we're like, no, I'm just worthless. <laughs> have you ever read The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women? No. Secret Lives. Oh, it's a great book. I think it's The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women. And I cannot remember. It's Vicky something. And I can't remember her last name. And it is a fantastic book. And you will love it. <laughs> and everybody should read it. I'm going to look it up. Okay. So I want to know in what ways you are currently showing up as a shameless mom. Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, I would say that, I mean, it really is. It's owning who I am. And you know what? With all the now more than ever and even now and whatever, I'm not ashamed to sell my course now in the middle of this crisis, in the middle of these uncertain times. Oh, let's talk about that for a second. So talk about selling. I actually thought about this a minute ago and then forgot, but let's talk about selling during COVID because I think this is actually really valuable. So I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about what you're doing and then I'll add. Sure, absolutely. Well, it's like I said, when I believe that I have something that can change women's lives. I know for a fact that my course has changed hundreds of women's lives. I know women who didn't believe that they could ever get paid to write and who are now supporting their families from their freelance writing business. So I'm not going to hold on to that knowledge and keep it to myself. I'm going to shout it from the rooftop. So I am not at all ashamed to sell during COVID. I think that I made some tweaks to my messaging 
but I don't feel that I needed to redo everything. I certainly don't feel like I need to stop selling things. The primary change that I made was I announced to my own list and my own community that I was going to give everybody the discount that new people who go through my funnel get for my course. So that's a $200 discount on my premium course. And that felt good and that felt right. The other thing I did was I changed my group coaching program. Normally group coaching, it's an opt-in subscription program at $97 a month. And I decided that from now going forward, everyone who enrolls in Writing for Money will get three months of group coaching complimentary. And then afterwards they can um, choose to stay in or not. But that meant that immediately everybody who was in the program, I paused their payments for three months and everybody who had ever enrolled in Writing for Money was invited to join group coaching for three months complimentary. And that felt very good. And that felt like a way to give back to the community that has supported me through all this time and to give them support at a time when they need it. But I'm not at all ashamed to stand up and say, if you want to change your life, if you're getting a glimpse now of what your life would be like if you were at home all the time, if you want that, if you don't want to depend on someone else for your job security, if you want to be in charge of your job security and your income, then I have something that will help you. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think what you're doing is beautiful. I love the idea of making, you know, shifting things a little bit, reframing things. I did something similar where I did a this free eight day challenge that just provided a ton of value. And I was like, anyone can come do this thing for free. And then if you want to take it to the next level, I have another option for you. And here's how you can do that. It's not free, but you know, like there's a lot of ways. And I've continued providing more free content than I ever have before during this time. But also like, I support a family myself and I also support, I mean, with a partner, but yeah, and I support a team who all have families. And so I think that we cannot be shy about what we're doing and that it provides a ton of value. And to your point that we talked about earlier, if I can provide something that's highly valuable to people right now that, you know, in a time of crisis and pandemic and fear can be really, really beneficial it would be unethical for me to not provide that thing. Yeah. And I'm not going to like, I'm not going to apologize for selling it because also I'm working really hard right now. <laughs> I'm not taking a nap during COVID. I'm not making sourdough bread. I'm not making a garden or a quilt. Like I'm working my butt off. And so I'm like, I'm not going to work for free for 50 hours a week. <laughs> so yeah. Exactly. No, 100%. It's so important it's to live your values, really. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh, I love this. Okay, so tell people where they can find you, where they can find your course and all of the things. Sure. So if you head over to SuccessfulFreelanceMom.com, that's my site. And if you go to SuccessfulFreelanceMom.com slash go, you'll find my free course, How to Be a Freelance Writer. And I'm on Instagram at Abby Parrots. I have a Facebook group, Successful Freelance Writing Moms. I love it. Okay. And is, let me just make sure I have the Facebook group. Is the extension on that Writing Mom Conference? Yes. Correct. Okay. Just want to make sure. Okay. So we have that all linked up in the show notes. I have everything ready to go. So if you go over to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Abby Parrots, then you can find all of those links. I want people to go and check out all of, I want them to get in your group. I want them to download the course and get running with it. I know that there's a lot of moms who are looking for ways to be nimble, creative, flexible right now. And I think this is just so perfectly timed. So thank you. Thank you, Abby. I really appreciate you taking the time to share all of this. And what fun to have our first guest from Israel today. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. This was a fantastic way for me to end my day. I really enjoyed every second of it. Good, good. Okay. And the next time you do something big and exciting, definitely let me know and you can come back on the show. For sure. Thank you.
Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.